I was reading a book recently that made this statement. A lack of prayer in my life is my declaration of independence from God. I mean, and when I think about declaration of independence, that's very visual for me. That's like, okay, we've seen the declaration of independence, haven't we? I mean, that's a document that some men signed, a very important document. Can you imagine taking out a pen and signing a document that basically said, God, thank you for your offer, but I don't think I need your help. That same author continued with these words. He says, as Christians, we have somehow gotten the idea that we can do things on our own. He said, if I ask you to take my car keys and move my Toyota from the back of the parking lot to the front of the parking lot, you'd gladly do that. I mean, that's easy, right? Sure, I can move your car for you. But he says, on the other hand, if I ask you to fly a 747 jumbo jet from Minneapolis to Miami, you might break out into a cold sweat. He says, you see, moving the Toyota is a task you can easily accomplish. Flying a jet, though, is probably far beyond most of our skills. Sadly, we've come to the conclusion that living the Christian life is more like moving a car than flying a jet. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because we think like that, though, we conclude that we can live our lives on our own and we don't need to pray. Now, I don't think any of us just woke up this morning and said, I'm just not going to talk to God. I'm just not going to pray. I don't need God. I'm independent. I I don't have to depend upon him. I don't think any of us would say that. But I believe God is drawing us to look at prayer in his word to help reveal to us, is it possible that I've signed a declaration of independence from God? For that reason, the last little while, we've been studying and learning more about prayer. In fact, you'll see in your worship guide there this morning, we put a little bit of an insert there that's basically, and I think they're going to put it up on the screen for you, it's basically a recap of some of the principles that we've learned over the last few weeks together about prayer. And I I, I want to encourage you to take that list, and in fact, you're going to add a few more to it at the bottom this morning, but take that list, take it home with you, uh, slide it in your Bible or put it in your devotional book or whatever you use in your personal time of the Lord. And, and you know what? Go back over the next weeks and months and look at the things that we've learned together and say, God, continue to teach me how to implement these aspects of your word into my prayer life. I don't know about you, but I can't remember all those things. I preached them. I can't remember all those, but to, to take them and to list them and to put them somewhere where I can go back and just as God puts on my heart certain different aspects of that, you can begin to incorporate that into your prayer life. Now, I do want to just point out something while we're looking at that. If you notice, there's something underlined in almost every single one of those. What's the word? Others. That has really caught my attention as I've looked at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Apparently, he spent much of his prayer time praying for other people. And not exactly the kind of things I usually pray for other people. That's why we're learning from the Word today. So God can teach us how to pray. So today we're going to add three more to that series. I want to talk to you about the prayers of Paul. The fifth part of that series are the prayers of Paul. And I do want to share with you before we start this that um, there are other prayers of Paul that we haven't studied, that we're not going to study at least in this cycle. There are other prayers found in the New Testament. These are really kind of the... The, uh, the most extensive ones that we find in the New Testament. But you can go and you can look. The Apostle Paul expresses prayer in several other different places. But the ones we've been looking at are the primary ones that you find in the New Testament. 
And today, as we look at Colossians 1, verse 9, the first thing I want us to think about is this. Paul teaches us to pray for other people that they will know God's will for their life. Look at verse 3. Well, I'm going to back up there from verse 9 in just a minute. Um, actually, uh, it kind of starts, that spirit of prayer that Paul's mentioning here starts back in verse 3. We're going to focus on verse 9 here in just a minute. But he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Now, I just wanted to point out by reading that, and you can read the rest of those verses later through verse 8, that uh, once again, and the reason I point this out is just like I pointed out the others part there, in every one of these prayers that we've studied, there's been three consistent things that the Apostle Paul continues to bring up. He brings up thanksgiving. He brings up being thankful to God specifically for other people and for God's work in their life. And here, what was it? He was thankful for their faith in the Lord Jesus, and he was thankful for their love that they were demonstrated to all of God's people. The third thing we recognize uh, in those uh, passages is that Paul commits to them. He says, I've continued to pray for you. I never stopped praying for you. I'm unceasingly praying for you. From the time that I heard about God's work in your life, I continue to lift you up to God. Paul committed to other people to faithfully pray for them. But then he says in verse 9 this, He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, heard of what? Well, that was back in verse 3 and verse 4. We heard of your faith. We heard of your love. He says, since we heard of God's work in your life, we have not ceased to pray for you. There it is again. And then here's what he prayed. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I want you to notice in these words, Paul's going to do the same thing he's been doing throughout all these passages. He not only makes statements, but he makes uh, full statements. He makes big statements. He, He says, I pray for you. I pray that you may be filled. I pray that you may be filled with what? With Real knowledge, with true knowledge. That word knowledge, again, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's, uh, it's a word that means, it's kind of like knowledge stacked upon knowledge. And what he's saying is, he's trying to make it uh, as comprehensive, as exhaustive, as all-inclusive as he can. Paul says, I pray that you may be filled, not just with knowledge, but with true knowledge or with complete knowledge, and that you would have all spiritual wisdom and understand. Do you hear what he's doing? It's like when Paul's explaining what his desire is for them to experience with the Lord, he's like saying, I want you to get all of it. So here's what he's expressing. Paul says, when I pray for you, my desire is that you would completely understand God's purpose for your life. That's a great thing to pray for somebody, isn't it? I mean, when I think about this, I think about my kids. I mean, that's how I would pray for my kids. That's how I would pray for you guys. As, as my church family, I pray that as God is working in your life, that more and more his purpose, his plan in your life will get more and more clear to you. Isn't that a great thing to pray for somebody? I just pray that you would understand what it is that God wants to do in your life. Now, is anybody ever going to get to that place? Is anybody ever going to fully understand all that God wants to do in their life? Well, no. No. But I think Paul's prayer is expressing a couple of things that we need to notice. First of all, just expressing that desire is a way for him to say what to them? What is he saying? I love you. I care about you. 
I mean, it's just precious that Paul is saying, I care so much. It's, it's, I continue to cry out to God. What if somebody told you? What if somebody sent you an email? What if somebody sent you a prayer card, a, a card in the mail and said to you, I just want you to know that I'm praying that God's going to give you real clarity about his purpose and his direction for your life. And by the way, I didn't just pray that last week. Every morning I'm praying that for you. Wouldn't that be precious for somebody to commit that to you? So Paul's showing his love, his concern for them. But also, even though they may not be able to understand it all, they could get some of it. Remember I shared with you a couple of weeks ago? Hey, what what Paul was describing, it's almost like, Paul says, I pray that you would be filled. I pray that you would just, uh, that you would completely understand. Well, even if I completely understand, even if I was all the way full, I'd still have a lot more I didn't understand. Right? Remember we talked about you can take your cup and you can fill it up, but there's still, if you go to the ocean and you fill it up in the ocean, your cup is full, but there's still a lot more left to understand. Well, I think that's what Paul is saying. He says, listen, we're never, praise the Lord, going to get to the bottom of God. Amen? You know what's exciting to me as a guy? You know, guys seem to be kind of, you know, goal-motivated, mission-oriented kind of thing, or we like to explore, or we like a challenge. You know what's cool about following the Lord? You will never get bored following the Lord. You're never going to go, oh, okay, is that all you got? You're never going to go, well, what else do we do? You never get to the bottom of God, amen? But Paul said, even though you're not going to get to the bottom of who he is, you can get closer. You can move closer and closer to understanding what it is that God has for your life. And that's what I'm praying for. I want to ask you, today, right now as you sit, do you know everything that God wants to do in your life? Okay, fair enough. I don't know everything, right? But let me ask you this. Today, right now as you sit, do you have a better understanding of God's purpose for your life than you did last year? I hope the answer is yes. I am grow- I'm not there yet, but I am growing in my understanding. Another thing I want to point out here is that maybe we should think about God's will for us in a different way. Many times when we think about, when, when Paul says, and what I'm trying to help us understand is, when he says, I'm praying that you will understand God's will, many times for us, we think he's talking about, Okay, uh, we're thinking about specific things, okay? I need to know what, who God wants me to marry. I need to know uh, what school the Lord wants me to attend. I need to know what street he wants me to live on, what house he wants me to buy, what job I'm supposed to have. Isn't that what we usually think of? I want to know God's will for my life, so God, can you just kind of give me the list of specific things you want me to do? Isn't that how we normally think of it? But did you know, the Bible does talk about that aspect. We talked about that last time. Philippians 1, we talked about that when we walk with the Lord, we can make better decisions in our lives. And Paul prayed for that. He prayed for people. He prayed for the Philippians. He says, I pray that you'd get to the point that you could make better decisions. Certainly, the Lord helps us with specific direction for our lives. But that's our focus. As I study God's word, I don't see that God's will for your life is focused on where you live, who you marry, what job you're supposed to take. Certainly God helps us with those decisions, but it seems to be in his word, his focus on his will for us is focused more on the things that God wants to do in and through your life. There are things that God's word teaches us. This is what God is wanting to do in your life. Now, if you think about it that way, If I think about God's word teaches me what God wants to do in my life. 
You see, when I think about God's will as uh, a decision about what I'm supposed to do here, a decision about what I'm supposed to do there, when I think about all these multitude of decisions, that seems impossible to ever know the answers to, right? But when I think about that, God's will is not so much focused on specific individual decisions as much as it is God's work in my life. When I think about that, I can get my arms around it better because guess where it's found? Right here. So what God is teaching us is, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you would spend more time with the Lord, that you would get to know Him in His Word, in a love relationship with Him, and more and more as you get to know God, you will understand His will for your life. Isn't that great? Isn't that encouraging? I don't have to figure out all the specifics about my life, but I can get to know God better and follow His principles for my life. By the way, I do want to mention, if you notice, here in this passage is an emphasis that we've seen throughout many of the prayers that Paul prays for people, and I think it's important to bring it out because I think God's trying to emphasize something to us. In many of these passages, Paul is praying that they will have a better understanding of God. It's, called, it, uh, it's described in different ways. Spiritual wisdom, insight, discernment, understanding, that you would grasp God's purpose for you. What that's telling me is, is that God, a priority to the Lord is that I get to know him better, understand who he is, and understand how he works. Now, that's in a good way, but I do want to give you a caution. Some people, because of that emphasis, start focusing on knowledge. Some Christians believe the more I know, the stronger I am. Is that necessarily true? Let me just give you kind of a silly example. When I stand before the Lord one day, do you think it's going to impress him that I know where to find the book of Exodus in the Old Testament? Do you think he's going to say, oh, wow, Robbie, that's cool. You know a lot. <laughs> you, know, you think God's going to say that? You know what the Bible seems to emphasize? Jeremiah 9, Matthew chapter 7. What God seems to emphasize is, do you know and understand not about me, do you know and do you understand me? Do you have a relationship with me? So we need to be very careful, Christians. Listen, because some of us are kind of students, and, and you got your sermon notes, and I want you to take sermon notes. But the sermon notes are just a tool, the, the, the thoughts that God puts on your heart. The Bible says it's not enough just to hear the message and think, oh, I'm good now. I heard, I understand, good. That's not what the Bible says. In the book of James, the Bible says we need to be not just hearers, but doers. The doing, the living is what God is shooting for. Now, I can't do until I hear, right? Okay, so hearing is critical, but hearing is not the end of the story. Even some Christians, they like that knowledge thing so much, they start getting into secret knowledge. You ever heard Christians, they know all this secret stuff? They know all this, oh, did you know the Bible? You know, they, uh, or like conspiracies, or like secret meanings. Or even, in, even in the book of Colossians, that's part of the reason that the Apostle Paul is talking about what he's talking about. There was a group of people called Gnostics. Okay, And the word Gnostic means knowledge. And they focused on knowledge, and they focused on special, secret knowledge. Oh, oh, you're a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian, but uh, I know some things that you've never been taught before. You ever ran into anybody like that? They know secret things. They, 
You know, you ever see these things on TV like conspiracy theories and stuff like that? There's like hidden meanings. There's like special stuff that or, or, or sometimes people will make up these theories or these outside things and apply them to the Bible uh, like these uh, theological arguments or the end times. You ever hear anybody develop these intricate things about when Jesus is coming back? What you always need to ask yourself is, where is that in the Bible? Okay. But sometimes we as Christians, we get caught up in knowledge. Can I just tell you, I believe that's a backdoor way for the enemy to sidetrack us. If the enemy, even in good, even in things that we think are good, even in, you know, oh, I'm just doing Bible study. And we think we're doing something good, but we're not fulfilling God's purpose. Be careful about getting sidetracked with things like that. The emphasis here is that I'm learning more about God and I'm putting it into practice in my everyday life. I am learning, I am understanding more about who God is. In fact, in many of Paul's writings, you see what I'm talking about. You see, like, let me give you an example, the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, the emphasis is on information, understanding who God is. And then in uh, chapters 4 through 6, it's on application. It's on living that out. The Lord is always about, if you're growing in understanding, then it should be growing in what? Changing my life. And that's what I want to talk about next. Look at what Paul, he goes right there with it. He says, I pray, I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, in verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul teaches us to pray for other people that they will live for God. Paul says, I'm praying that you would understand God's will better, but I'm, I'm praying that so that it will make a difference in how you walk. Now, what does that mean? What is walk? What does some of the other translations say? So that you will. Y'all reading your Bible? <laughs> does yours say walk? Everybody say walk. So you'll live. That's what walk means, doesn't it? It's not literally talking about walking with your legs. It's talking about, it's just kind of symbolic language to say, Paul's saying, I'm praying that you'll understand God's purpose better so that you will walk or you will live your life in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. And then he kind of breaks that down for us. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing or growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, I want to break that down for you. Any of you kids do uh, diagram and sentences in school? Okay. Uh, even though, uh, you like that, Bob? <laughs> Okay, even though most of us, except Bob, don't like that, it is helpful sometimes, isn't it, to break down things. And actually, if you take that word, if you take, he says, so that you will walk or so that you will live your life. That's the verb. That's the focus. But then there's several phrases that you could kind of just put as bullet points underneath that. And what God is doing is he's showing us. He says, Paul, Paul said, I'm praying that you will live your life in a way that honors God. And let me give you a few examples of that is what he's saying. So think about these. He says the first phrase is bearing fruit in every good work. That's a way to show that you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. He says increasing or growing in the knowledge of God. That's a way to show that you're uh, growing in God's will. Then he says being strengthened with all power 
That's a way to demonstrate that my life is being lived for the Lord and then giving thanks to God. That's the fourth one down in verse 12. All those are four different ways that God gives us. It's kind of a little bit of a checklist where I can begin. Isn't it good when you're a Christian, uh, when you're just starting out, especially in your walk with the Lord, but even I've been walking with the Lord for a while. It's good for me to have some checkpoints. Okay, and so I can look at these things and I can ask myself, am I seeing these evidences in my life? Let me ask you. Do you see fruit in your life? And and this is not in a proud way or anything like that. It's just kind of a a checkpoint. It's just a little bit of a let me do a fruit inspection. How about that? Okay, Let, let me do some fruit inspecting. Do I see these things in my life? Because the Bible's saying if I was living a life worthy of the Lord, a life that would please him, these are some of the things I would see. So let me ask you, are you seeing fruit come out of your life? The kind of fruit that the Bible says God would produce. Do you see yourself changing, giving evidence that God is working in your life? If you do, that's encouraging, isn't it? Second thing is, am I growing in my understanding of God? I think I asked you this just a moment ago. Are you growing? Would you say that you are understanding more and more about God every day, every week? Would you say that? That's a good thing if you can see that. Am I getting stronger? Remember I shared with you a few weeks ago that our desire at New Hope is that after you get connected with what God is doing in and through this church family, I love to hear you guys say, you send me emails, you you share with me by the back door. I love to hear you say, man, in my growth group, I'm learning so much. Or Pastor Robbie, this this series on prayer or, or, or something else that's happening in our church family that God is teaching you and that your life is getting stronger. Are you seeing that? Is your life stronger? Because of what God is doing in your life? And in fact, what he says here, remember we talked about it last time, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Remember we talked about that's like a thunder, a crash of thunder right there. You are getting stronger and stronger than you ever imagined you could be. That ought to encourage you. Are you a grateful person? Do you find yourself being thankful? Do you find yourself just praising God? And we've talked about this all throughout God's word. Thankfulness shows up all over the Bible as a sign of maturity. It shows that God is working your life. Now, I'm not talking about one of those Christians that just fakes it, you know, like they're happy. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a true joy, a true gratefulness that's coming out of your life that, that you're thankful for what God's doing in your life. If you see that, that's fruit. That, those things, bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God, being stronger, and giving thanks are all evidence that you are beginning to live a life that's more in line with a follower of Jesus. That I encourage you if you see those things. I also want to point something out. We might think to ourselves, well, that's, that's a nice goal to shoot for, living like that, but, but that's not how it's presented in these verses. It's not like, okay, here's the super-duper way to live a Christian, but I'm going to kind of settle in on, you know, kind of a little bit less than that. That's not what it says. In these verses, it says, I, Paul says, I pray that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That word worthy means that, it, that corresponds or that's suitable or that's appropriate to a relationship with God. So it's just kind of saying, if you are a follower of Jesus, these are the kind of things you should expect to see living out of your life. Do you pray for other people like that? Do you pray that other people will be growing in their relationship with God? Like most, of, most of the time, our prayers for other people are much more shallow than that, aren't they? 
We pray that God will help them on their test tomorrow. We pray that God will help them get a job. And all those things are important. But the Lord's challenging us. Do you pray that other people are growing in their relationship with God? And then the last one I want to share with you is in verse 11. Pray that other people will not give up. I really want to kind of hone in on this one for just a minute because I think it's very important. There's several things that Paul mentions in verses 10 through 12 that, that we could point out, but really we've talked about them in other messages. We just talked about some of those. We talked about growing. We talked about growing in knowledge. We talked about being stronger. We talked about being thankful. But one thing that came up there, if you heard when I was reading verse 11, that we haven't seen emphasized in the other prayers I want to focus on right now. Paul says, I'm praying that you're living a life worthy of the Lord, strengthened, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, and here's the phrase I want us to focus on, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. That word steadfastness means you're able to remain under something that's pressing down on you, but you don't run from it. Okay? Paul says, I'm praying that you're growing in living out your relationship with God. And if you are, you're going to get stronger. And as you're getting stronger, here's one of the things that's going to happen. You're not going to give up so easy. When something's weighing down on you, you're not going to run from it. Even though it's uncomfortable, I'm not doing that. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. The next word, patience, literally means long-suffering. I like that word for patience because it sounds a little more like what patience is, doesn't it? Long-suffering is there's something I don't like and it's happening for a while. (laughs) I'm putting up with it for a while. It, It actually means something intense or something hot or something burning, something that's putting pressure on me, but I'm putting up with it and I'm willing to do that for a long time. Some people say that first word is our response to difficult circumstances. Steadfastness means if there's challenges in my life, I'm willing to be patient with that. They also say that the other word means the ability to put up with difficult people. Okay, So one's talking about circumstances, the other's talking about people that get on your nerves or that give you a hard time or whatever. You're willing to be patient with them. Now, I don't know that there should be a lot of distinction between those words. I think Paul's just using two words that basically are talking about what? Patience. They're talking about patience. And I think Paul's just trying to emphasize to us when God is working in your life, more and more, you will not be giving up. You will not be turning around. You will not be going back. You will not be quitting. No matter what, you have made a decision. You're going to keep moving forward with the Lord. Friends, I want to talk to you about that for just a minute because I think it's very important. Let me ask you this question. Have you made a decision, and is it growing more and more in your heart, that no matter what, for the rest of my life, I will follow Jesus Christ? Have you made that decision? I will trust the Lord no matter what happens. With God's help, I am not going back to the way I used to live. Have you made that decision? Can I push you just a little bit? Y'all don't look very excited about being pushed. I'm going to anyway. (laughs) 
I want to ask you some tough questions. I want to challenge that commitment. If New Hope was not here anymore, if I was no longer the pastor of New Hope, if it was illegal to be a Christian in the United States, if the rest of us did not love God and follow Him, I mean, what if, what if, what if the rest of us just got up and stood up and just said, this is a joke, we're not doing this stuff anymore, I got better things to do. Would you still love God? Would you still follow Him? Would you stay? Would you remain? Would you give up? I challenged the, some of the youth were, last night, <clears throat> they were a part of an event yesterday where there were many young people that were serving the Lord and following Him. We've got a lot of things happening in our youth group. What if nobody else showed up at youth group next Friday night? What if, the, what if the rest of them just said, this is a joke, this is no fun, I don't like this anymore. Would you still be following the Lord Jesus? I'm asking you that for an answer. Would you still go to church if I didn't go to church here? If the person sitting next to you didn't go to church here? Would you still love God? Would you still serve Him? Would you still follow Him and seek Him? Friends, here's the challenge. The Bible gives us, and sometimes I'm concerned about as your pastor, when God is working in a church family, there's some exciting things happening, aren't there? There's life. There's, there's blessings. There's uh, miraculous things that happen. You know what happens? Sometimes, as a result of that, there are people that come along for the ride. It's fun. It's exciting. I want to ask you, though, have you made a decision that you're not here on a ride. There, there's not any set of circumstances except you love the Lord. And you've made a commitment that I am going to follow Jesus. I don't need any person. I don't need any set of circumstances. I've made my decision. I am following the Lord. Let me put it this way. What if we took out a camera right now and we took a photo of everybody that's here this morning? In five years, if we took that photo out, could we say that every single person that's in this room is still following the Lord? It's still serving Him. It's still growing. It's still moving forward in their relationship with God. And here's a big question for me. Why are Christians so wimpy? Amen? Why are we so easily deterred? You know what it tells me? It tells me either we never had a relationship with God in the first place or we've got a lot of growing to do. We should not give up so easy, should we? When we give up easy, that makes me feel like that we're following the Lord because of the blessings or because of the circumstances or because of the, the things that we like or we enjoy. No, we follow Him because He's worthy. Because He saved me. Where else am I going to go? I get tired. I want to give up, but I can't. Where else am I going? Amen? I've got this cross stitch in my office that my father-in-law gave me years ago. He said, Robbie, if you're going to be involved in serving the Lord, if you're going to walk with the Lord, you need this. You need to remember this. I guarantee I probably read it every day. This is what it says. Go where you, sent, you are sent, stay where you are put, and give what you have got. Isn't that a great statement? Go where God sends you. Stay where God puts you and give what God's given you. That's a great statement, isn't it? Never give up.
Paul says, I'm praying. Mean that God would give you supernatural strength, that you're getting stronger than you've ever been before. And you know what? Not giving up would be stronger than we've ever been before, wouldn't it? Because all of us have given up a lot, haven't we? But I pray that God would strengthen you to the point that you have made decision. I am not giving up. And you know what? This is not just a grin and bear it thing. Some Christians say, okay, well, God says I can't give up, so I'll just put up with it. You know, I'll do it, but my heart's not in it. Does that sound a lot like God? It doesn't do it, does it? Does, does God just say, fulfill requirements? Just, just make me happy? No, God wants us in our hearts. To, for our hearts to be changed. Look at what he says. He says, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Now, there, the word joyously there, in my translation, looks like it goes with giving thanks. There's some debate about whether that goes with giving thanks or whether that goes with the patience part. I believe, many Bible teachers believe that that goes with the patience part. So here's the deal. He says, I pray that you'll get stronger so that you'll be steadfast and patient with joy. Oh, wow, that's another twist to it, isn't it? (laughs) So not only will I not give up, but somehow it's possible if God is working in my heart that I can even have joy in the midst of that. See, for being a Christian, it's not just, well, just grit your teeth and just go through it. At least there's heaven, you know. That's not the way it is. As a follower of Jesus, I can trust by faith that no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what's going on around me, it is possible for me to have joy and contentment and peace and fulfillment. That is something I guarantee you cannot find anywhere else in the world except through Jesus. We are tied to our circumstances except through the Lord. But through the Lord, you don't have to have the right set of circumstances to have joy. You can have joy in him no matter what the situation. So this morning, as we wrap up this emphasis on prayer, I want to ask you this. How has God been speaking to you? You see, because uh, today we're wrapping up. We're finishing up this series. So next week, we're not going to be talking about, at least now again, I I, I shared with you, we're not going to quit talking about prayer. You're going to hear more about prayer in different ways. But as far as the message series, we're closing out today. So if you've been saying, you know what, God, I know you're speaking to me and I need to do something about that. Well, I'd say right now is a good moment to wrap that up. Are you a follower of Jesus? And God is calling you to a closer walk with him. I'm going to tell you, this series has really impacted my prayer life. I pray for people differently since the beginning of this year than I did last year. When we started this series on prayer, it has changed and it will continue to impact my relationship with the Lord. Is God speaking to your heart about that? You know what, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you to think about this. Obviously, God is speaking to us as a church family about prayer. We we started the year of prayer. God unlocked this building project moving forward with us while we were emphasizing prayer. The rest of this year, while we're moving forward as a church family, we're going to focus on prayer. Hello, if I'm a part of New Hope, God must want me to be a part of some kind of prayer. Right? So I want to challenge you with something. Thank the Lord that God's raised up Donna Constant as our prayer ministry leader. And God's working in Donna's heart. And we're working together to pray about the direction that God has for us as a church family. But you know what? That's not going to happen unless God raises up people in this room to partner together with us.
to help us to strengthen our prayer ministry. Let me just give you one example. You know, one idea that we heard of, I think is a great idea. What about we just got a booth at the Washington County Fair and just put up a sign that says, can we pray for you? How many people do you think would stop by? I think a lot. How many opportunities do you think we'd have to be a blessing and encouragement to other people? Wouldn't that be fun? Just sitting at the fair, and the sheep and the goats and the cows and everything, and right there, somebody walks by. They're not going to come to church this weekend, but they're at the fair, and they say, you know what? Yeah, I need God in my life. Would you pray? Isn't that cool? There are so many things that we can do. Would you ask the Lord how he would have you to be a part of making New Hope a house of prayer that would touch the nations? That's God's vision for this church family. And friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I pray, I shared with somebody this week, when I was 12 years old, somebody shared Christ with me and I felt weight. I felt heaviness. I felt guilt. I was going to stand before God and give account of my life and I was not ready. And I realized that I needed to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin. And I invited Christ to come in and he lifted that burden. There's so many ways we express that in our singing. and What we share, the, the chains are gone. The weight has been lifted. Sanders sang about the grace. Aren't you glad for grace this morning? No matter who you are and where you've been, God's arm is not too short that it cannot reach down and pick you up. That's a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter, uh, what is it? I always lost my train of thought. I don't know. <laughs> Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. It talks about the Lord's arm is not too short that it cannot save. So no matter who you are or where you've been today, Jesus Christ, this relationship that we've been talking about, you say, hey, Pastor, I'm not anywhere near all this prayer stuff you're talking about. That's okay. At least it gives you an idea of where God's wanting to take you. But would you start today with that relationship with him? Would you bow with me for just a moment as we finish out the service this morning? And why don't you just spend just a moment or two just praying, just talking to the Lord yourself. And don't feel like you're in a hurry. I know sometimes when, you know, a pastor asks us just to bow before the Lord, we, we don't know, do I have enough time to really spend with the Lord because I know the service is about to close. Just, just be still. Don't be in a hurry. We're not going to hurry you. Why don't you just talk to the Lord while Jeff plays quietly. Dear Lord, we thank you for speaking to us this morning through your word. We thank you that you're growing us, that you're teaching us how to pray, especially how to pray for other people. Lord, I thank you so much for that precious person last night who shared with me that they're praying for our church family. They're taking that membership list that we have and 
and just praying through the families in our church. What an awesome thing. Thank you for speaking to that person about that. And Lord, I know you're speaking to me about specifically praying for other people, for my children, for my wife, for specific people in our church family or in a growth group or or whatever it might be, Lord. And I just pray for each one of us this morning that as we wrap up this emphasis on prayer right now, that you would just bring to to a close or a conclusion whatever it is you've been speaking to someone's heart about, that they would hear clearly your voice and that they would respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. If you're kind of new to our church family, just to share with you at the end of our service, it's not over yet, we're not leaving yet, or anything like that. This is really your time just to ask God, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And you can just get, you could get on, on your knees right beside your chair and pray if you want to. You can come down front and pray if you'd like to do that. I'm going to be available if you'd like somebody to pray with you. If you've got a decision that you need to make and you're not sure how to accept Christ as your Savior or, or maybe God's called you to unite with our church family, you've been to our discovery class, we've met and talked about that and you believe God's affirmed in your heart this is His place for you. Maybe you just say, hey, Pastor Robbie, I don't know that what all the prayer ministry is going to be about, but I know God's tugging at my heart and I need to be a part of that in some way. I just want to share that with you this morning. Whatever it is, I want to help you if I can. So I'll be available down front as we let the Lord work.